We are in a long series working our way through the the teaching section of Luke. This is a master class in living from the master. And this morning we're in Luke 17, the first 10 verses. Luke 17, verse 1, listen then for the voice of God. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It's better for you to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around your neck than for you to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If a brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day, and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And he replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Because suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will you say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now, sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink, and after that you may eat and drink? Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do so, should say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. The word of the Lord. Andrew was a colorful, charismatic Hope College student when he suffered a traumatic brain injury in a car crash. The driver, Andrew's friend, and also a Hope College student, was killed. Andrew's uh, body was shattered and his swollen brain shut down all but minimal functioning and he was in a coma for weeks. Worried about what to say or pray, I went to the hospital. And after a few minutes with Andrew's parents and siblings, I went into his room. I've, I've been in my fair share of intensive care rooms but with the whirring machines, beeping meters, wires and tubes connected to this young man, young, strong kid, it took my breath away. I didn't have any words. Andrew was unresponsive to both voice and touch, but his father held his hand, stroked his hair, and spoke to him with tenderness and confidence. Confidence. Andrew's dad, 
my dear friend, talk to Andrew about getting better, about going back to college and graduating. And because he was on the Hope College board, he told his son that one day he would hand him his diploma. My friend's voice, heart, and spirit were filled with faith. People were praying all over the country. Surely God would answer. Surely Andrew would be healed. My friend was buoyed, hopeful, and brimming with faith. Faith. Confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we don't see. Andrew's mom, my husband's wife and also my friend, was more measured. She saw the long journey ahead. She knew the hurdles. She was more cautious or more realistic or... Or maybe it's just a matter of disposition. Maybe it's just a matter of disposition. No matter the situation, by disposition, my friend jumps in with both feet. Body, soul, and mind. He doesn't hold back. He's all in. And maybe it's the same with faith. He believes. Jumps in. And trust God. There is for him, therefore, a kind of optimism, a kind of strength, a kind of faith. My disposition is different. I keep limping along with my own doubts and shadows. I'm, I'm cautious. Uncertainty and unending questions typically land me in the mediocre, muddled middle. I'm the tepid tap water that Scripture says will get spit out. Therefore, the request of the disciples that Jesus increase their faith feels familiar to me. As I drove home, I longed for my friend's faith. I wanted confidence in the will and working of God. I wanted Jesus to increase my faith. Have you ever longed for something more? Have you ever whispered, I believe? Help my unbelief. Or increase my faith. Have you wanted your faith to overcome your disposition? If so, you're in good company. Because consider, the disciples asked Jesus to increase their faith in response to Jesus laying out an ethic of forgiveness. He says that if a brother or sister sins against you and repents, forgive them. 
In fact, even if they sin against you seven times in one day, forgive them seven times in one day. To which the disciples, flustered and flabbergasted, reply, uh, increase our faith? Seriously? Because this also comes after a series of similar demands in Luke where Jesus instructs his disciples to, and I quote, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who persecute you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other also. Forgive 70 times seven. Seriously? Lord, you're going to need to increase our faith. That's too much. The disciples' request is not for the wherewithal to believe in a belief or expect a miracle. The disciples' request is not to be more spiritually minded or born of a desire for an expression of God's presence. The disciples' request is for the strength to follow. The disciples' request is for the faith to be faithful. To which Jesus responds, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Seriously. What's lost in translation is the sense of condition of Jesus' statement. This, because it's not a challenge. Come on, if you just had faith. And it's not a contingency. Look, if you had faith, you... And it's not a reprimand. If you only had faith. The words of Jesus here are not a challenge, contingency, or reprimand, but it is in fact an affirmation. Again, this is lost in translation. The if clause, the if clause that Jesus uses here expresses a condition of fact. In fact, it could better be translated, if you have faith, and you do. If you have faith, and you do, as small as a mustard seed. Jesus responds by saying, you already have it. You already have enough. Even if it's only the size of a mustard seed, you already have faith enough. Now, given that reading of this familiar phrase, it seems misleading to suggest that if you had just a fleck of faith, you could win the battle with cancer or land that new job 
or beat back the black dog of depression or heal your son. There is little here to suggest that the measure of faith is what makes things happen. It soils the gospel to suggest that events can take a certain turn because we did or didn't have enough faith. There may not be a more important sentence in this whole sermon. I'm going to read it again. It soils the gospel to suggest that events can take a certain turn because we did or didn't have enough faith. Jesus is not goading the disciples to muster up more faith as if the dimensions of faith, bigger, deeper, stronger, are what Jesus is concerned about. Rather, this is a word of encouragement to be faithful in forgiveness. The issue here is not about an outcome unto itself. I have faith, so I have faith. It's obedience. Because faith is not a matter of size or strength or sizzle, but as small, dappled, or doubt-riddled your faith is, it's still enough. It's still enough. It's enough to toss trees in the ocean, move mountains, and follow the way of forgiveness. Uh, Eugene Peterson, you're still with me? Eugene Peterson, pastor to pastors and writer of many books, was asked what advice he would give to young seminarians going into the pastorate. His response seems fitting as a way to frame faithfulness for all of us. Peterson writes this. I tell them that pastoring is not a very glamorous job. It's a very taking out the laundry and changing the diapers kind of job. And I think I would try to disabuse them of any romantic ideas of what it is. As a pastor, you've got to be willing to take people as they are and live with them where they are and not impose your will on them because God has different ways of being with people and you don't always know what they are. There's something... That was Peterson. This is me. <laughs> There's something wonderfully pragmatic here. It cuts through my self-absorbed, fickle faith. You're not feeling certain about God? Who cares? <laughs> Seriously, who cares? You have enough faith to take out the laundry. You have faith enough to love your neighbor no matter how annoying they are. You have faith enough to forgive. Faith is not so much a matter of the head or the heart, but the hands. Which I think is why Jesus follows this picture, with, follows this with the picture of a servant working all, deal, all day in the field. And then fixing the meal 
and serving the table before being able to rest. It's a snapshot of the nature of servanthood. It's what a servant, and the language here is actually slave, but it's what a servant does. So this isn't about the surprise of grace where the workers get a full day's wage no matter how long they were in the field. And this is not about inviting everybody to the dinner without regard for their costume or their class. This is about servants being servants. This is about the faith to be faithful. So here's the big ending. Dear friends, the remarkable thing is that even as grace dismantles any notion of personal or religious merit, we don't live in a merit system, even as grace dismantles any notion of personal or religious merit, it also builds a foundation for obedience. Because you are free, we are free to be who we are equipped to be in Jesus Christ. You're free to be faithful. Whatever your disposition, whatever size your faith, thanks be to God. And therefore today, your faith, even as small as a teeny weeny mustard seed, is enough. It's enough to forgive as you've been forgiven. It's enough to love as you've been loved. It's enough to give even as you've been given to. It's enough to do the laundry and change the diapers even as your laundry has been done and your diaper changed. Now that may not preach in a way that pumps up our spirits or keep some of you awake, or builds a bigger church, or inspires a more robust faith. But it does find us in the company of the disciples learning to follow Jesus. So no matter your questions, or your muddled, mediocre middle, no matter your disposition, no matter the size of your faith or the issues that you, that you just can't seem to shake, come to the table with disciples all over the world. Come to the table where the servant serves the servants. Come to the table where forgiveness is served in abundance and come to the table to be strengthened and go forward in faith to forgive others. Amen.